together. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement that is ours by simply being in this place today. And Lord, we have a responsibility, having seen the light, having been given your light, to be an encouragement to others. And so, God, as we open your word now, uh, God, would you comfort us? Would you challenge us? Would you enable us to see what is true and what is right? And, and how it is your work, not only in our life, but through our life for your glory. We ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. We're in a series this year where we're talking about the fact that we're better together. And we are, we're, we're creating, hopefully, a fundamental shift that is uh, countercultural. We are seeking to go from me, where it's all about me, to we, where it's all about us, where it's all about what God is doing in us and through us as a community. And that's, that's often easier said than done, because our natural tendency is to worry about what's going on with me. But really, life is found in the midst of we. It's in our relationships, not only with God, but in one another, where we really experience the, the goodness of what God has for us. And so, as we're talking about worship during this series, the fact that we worship better together, we're, we're looking at the different intricate realities that come into play because of who Christ is, what He's called us to be, and how it works out in our lives. And so, today we're going to talk about the fact that we get to be encouraged we're encouraged better together. We worship better together because we're able to encourage one another better together. And that's what worship, a big part of it is, because, friends, you know this, we say it all the time, the world is not as it should be. Each one of us, we could all speak to something significant that's happened in our life just in the past few days, or maybe something that's happened in the world that reminds us, this world is not as it should be. And we do believe, we know why. We understand what is at stake and, and what's going on because we understand the story. The story of God has been real, revealed in the Bible. The Bible's not a collection of stories or sayings. It's a single story. And this story tells us why the world is not as it should be and how we know it. See, we know the world is not as it should be because we, were, we know we were made to be in harmony. When God created all things, He made them in harmony. And so what upsets us, what disturbs us now is when anything happens that is not harmonious with life and peace and joy and love, there's something inside of us that says, that's not right, that's not good. And the question becomes, well, well what happened? Why, why is the world broken? Well, because of our sin, because of the fall. But here's the good news. God did not abandon us, and, and, and instead He came to rescue us. And so I love our baptismal t-shirts. They say rescued on them because it speaks to this glorious reality of what God has come to do. And then we're also reminded that the Lord's not finished yet. The restoration is coming. This world is not our home as it is. He's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. And until that time, we've got to live with hope. And so here we are now. We're in the midst of the rescue and the restoration. We're in the midst of a grand story, and every single one of us has an important part to play in this story. Now, I know some of you don't believe that today. I know some of you think, oh, my life is not, it's not making headlines. You know, my, my life is not one that, that, that is of much consequence to everyone else. I, I want to remind you that in this story, as uh, G.K. Chesterton called it a novel, God cares about all of his characters about all the people he's brought into being. Look what Chesterton said. We must certainly be in a novel. He's talking about the history of the world according to the biblical narrative, the story. What, what I like about this novelist, about God, is that he takes such trouble, look at this, about his minor characters. You know, when, when little 
kids have performances sometimes. Maybe you've seen these. You go to the performances, and some kid gets gets to be the bush, right? You know, and, and mom makes something, and he comes out, and he's the bush, and he just sits there, and every grandma, everybody gets their video camera, and hey, what are y'all doing? Oh, we're gonna go see a play. Oh, good, Johnny's in. Yeah, what's his role? He's a bush. Screens, great, glorious. Well, God didn't have any bushes in His family. Yes, people. And every single person in God's family has an important part to play in this story. Now, again, everything inside of you right now may be saying, oh, but my story's already done. No, it's not. No, it's not. My, my part of the story, it's not going to be very important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You have a crucial part to play in the kingdom of God. If you have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and you're still alive, the story's not done. And there's more for you to do. And at a minimum, at a minimum, what we need to be doing for one another is being an encouragement to one another. See, God, God designed us in this fallen world, having rescued us, to be able to grow. And the only way we grow is through resistance. So oftentimes we want to pray for comfort and ease, but that's not how we best grow. That's not how we get strength. That's not how we, we, we find ourselves loving God more. Show me a person who has only lived in comfort, and I'll show you a person that doesn't have a great love for God. Show me a person who has suffered much and had to live in dependence upon the Lord. I'll show you someone who has great love for God. It is God's design that we go through these struggles, but there's good news. Listen to what Jesus said. Remember what he said in John 16, 33? Uh, that's just a Y'all know this, right? Yeah. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As we're, as it says in the design there, we're pursuing and recovering God's design. And, and as a part of God's design for us, He's going to have us go through tribulation. It's not an accident. It's a part of the plan. It's a part of the story. Your suffering, your pain, your opportunities, all of them are a part of the ultimate plan of God. And we never know the ripple effects of our lives and the lives of other people. But here's good news. Christ has overcome the world. That should create two things within us. Humility and confidence. First, humility, because it is Christ who has overcome the world, not us. The good news I have for you today that I'm going to teach you is not how you can be self-sufficient and independent of God and everyone else. It's not what I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to teach you how to save yourself. Today I'm going to teach you the gospel. The good news is God has come to save you. And He has the power to overcome every challenge and trial and opportunity that you're going to face. And He has a plan for it. He has overcome the world. And so that's humbling, but it also gives us great confidence. Because the God who is with us can overcome and so we're in the midst of this battle. And make no mistake, it's, it's God's design that we be in a battle. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen, God didn't save us and immediately take us to heaven. He saved us and He set us to, to be soldiers on the front lines of, of, of His battle in this world. God designed it so that we would go forward against the darkness. And the only way we could do that successfully is through the strength of God. We cannot do it on our own, and we were not designed to do it by ourselves. Light is stronger when it is grouped together. 
A single light can't do a lot, but you you put together, as we do at Christmas Eve, you put enough light together, it can light up a room, it can light up a city. And God has called us to be that kind of light, but we got to do it together. We're better together. And worship is better together when we understand each one of us in our individual lives has a crucial part to play in, in, in every hour when we gather together. This hour is crucial because it prepares us for the rest of the week to go live on mission. And while we're here, we're on mission because we're here to encourage one another. In the midst of this spiritual battle, we have Christ, but we also have one another. And there's something significant about soldiers who are walking in tandem, walking together, who are saying to one another, I believe in Christ and I love you because Christ has loved me. And that love is manifest in how we care for one another and how we call upon the name of the Lord together to celebrate His grace and His goodness. And it's something we need to anticipate and never miss because it's a glorious opportunity to glorify Him and to encourage those who are around us. That's what we're going to see in our text today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, Take it out and turn with me now to Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. And Sophia Young is going to read first, so let's all stand together in honor of God's Word as Sophia comes. Sophia is a, a new part of our family of faith. She has uh, recently come to us from Haiti. Isn't she absolutely gorgeous? Isn't she beautiful? And so today we get to enjoy her reading of God's Word. This is Romans chapter 1, and if you would, begin in verse 11 and read verse 12 too. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts which continue, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sophie. If you would go ahead and be seated. Now, let me give you some context to this text. This was written by, of course, God Himself through the Apostle Paul, the inspired and errant Word of God. And it was given through Paul, who was at the time, making preparations to visit Rome. He had never been there. He's writing to a church he's never worshipped with. And he's writing to tell them that he can't wait to see them. Now, he's in the midst of a pretty big project himself at the time. He was picking up a collection to go back to Jerusalem to care for the church there that was dealing with a famine, a famine that was about to get worse. Paul also knew that he would soon be arrested. The Holy Spirit had made that apparent. And so he's now writing to this church at Rome, and he's writing to a church that's divided. The church at Rome was planted by uh, Jewish people who, on the day of Pentecost, were saved. The day when the Holy Spirit came down, Pentecost Sunday, there were Jews from all over the world who had gathered there for that very important celebration. And as the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles and Peter preached that great sermon, many were saved, thousands were saved. And not all stayed in Jerusalem. Many went back to their homes. And, and one of the places where the people went was back to the city of Rome. And there a church was planted. It was led originally by Jewish leaders. But then because of the power of the gospel, as we well know, it's not just for Jews, it's for Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles began to believe. So this church began to grow in Rome, but it was primarily under the leadership of the Jews until the year 49. And in the year 49, all the Jews were expelled from the city of Rome. And so now there was a church that had been under about one set of leaders. Now other leaders were having to step up. Younger leaders were having to step up, while the others had to vacate because of this persecution. Five late years later, the Jews came back, they were allowed to be back in the city. And so they came back to a different church. 
And so Paul is writing to what could have potentially been a divided church, what could have created disunity and disharmony within the body. God, God inspired Paul to write to them to say, listen, we are one. I can't wait to be with you, and I want to remind you what unifies us. And the thing that unifies, unifies the church, the thing that unifies living hope is not our age, it's not the color, color of our skin, it's not our socioeconomic background, it's the gospel. Paul spends the first eight chapters speaking to the power of the gospel that unifies his people. He also spoke to the mission. He also spoke to the thing that unifies God's people is that we are called to participate in what God is doing in the world. The book of Romans, I have long believed, is the first and one of the most powerful uh, fundraising letters for mission project that has ever been written. I think this is a fundraising letter. Paul is writing to the church at Rome because if you get to, once you get to the end of the letter, you see he's made his point. The world is lost. There's darkness. The gospel is true. Jesus has come, and now we got to take the gospel to the rest of the world. And by the way, I'm heading to Spain, and I would like your financial support. And, and that's what he's doing. He's making the case for his international mission engagement. So he's writing to the church to say, listen, you guys, we got to be united. You've got to be united around the gospel, around the mission of God. And, and around this, this calling to, to be a, a people that send people like me. And so Paul, anticipating coming to them, he writes this letter. And what, what he's looking forward to is worship. He's looking forward to this encouragement that's about to happen. And what we see in our text today is what we should anticipate. Every time we come to worship, these are the things that we need to anticipate. There's three of them, and I want to, it's really a sentence that develops, and I want you to take note of it. So, so take note. Worship is better together, first of all, when we anticipate meeting as people in need. Look what Paul said in verse 11. He says, for I long to see you. Paul was, was writing as a people that, that he was in, the, in need of help of. See, Paul couldn't do what he was called to do alone. None of us can. All of us, by the design of God, are meant to be in community with other believers. If you can do alone what God has called you to do, I doubt very seriously if it is God himself has called you to do it. It's not that you don't step out in faith. It's not that you don't do the work. But you will always need the prayer support. You will always need the accountability. You will always need the strength of other believers. Even when you're out solo for, uh, performing a service that God has uniquely called you to, if that is your circumstance. But we always need one another. Here's the Apostle Paul. I mean, this is the big dog, right? And he's basically saying, I long to see you. Why? Because, because he's in need. And he also knows that the people he's coming to see are in need. He knows that they, they need instruction. He knows that they need to be reminded of the gospel. And that's why he writes such a, a, an in-depth, theologically sound letter. Understand that everyone in this room today, we've all come in this room with needs. Now, I know we don't all show it. And oftentimes, many of us don't want to show it. We, wanna, we want it to look like we have a Facebook kind of life, Right? You know, on Facebook, everything looks great. Everybody's happy. Even the food looks good, right? But can I tell you, I know most of the people in this room, and we don't all live a Facebook life, all right? But we all have stuff. You know, I like to say it. We all got underwear showing somewhere. You know what I mean? And we all have needs. We all have 
We all have trials. We all have temptations. We all have opportunities. You know, sometimes folks look at their lives and they think that the only hard parts are the parts when when things are going wrong. Can I tell you, it's often just as hard when everything's going right. Because now you're having to move forward. You're having to live by faith and you're having to take on a challenge that maybe you don't feel equipped to, to handle. And so no matter what your situation is today, understand everybody in this room sitting around you is in need. There are needs that are financial. There are marital needs. There are family needs. There are some parents sitting here right now whose hearts are breaking for their children. They're so concerned. There are some who know of needs in other places of our city and other places of the world. And, 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 and their minds are on those needs right now. And it's coming here and being reminded of that glorious day, being reminded of Christ's coming, of His return, of the power of God to be at work. It's that encouragement that they're getting right here. I know this doesn't seem like it, but I'm telling you, there's some folks sitting here right now. This is the most encouraging hour of their weekend, and they're going back into the darkness to fight a fight. And we need to make sure that everyone who comes here feels the encouragement of the Lord. Because we're all in need. We all have challenges. We all we all have to, to face this of different things. And let me tell you, let me tell you some mistakes I've seen people make. Here's one a huge mistake I see people make all the time is they say, Well, you know what, I can't go to church right now because because I am so needy. I have so many things going wrong. I need to get my life right first before I start coming to the church. Can I tell you that is not wise? It's 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 part of the mission of the church to help you in those low times. You know, and if you're only going to come when everything is good, well, we'll catch you in heaven, right? But that's not the way God designed it. God designed us to gather together, and it's in those moments when there is significant need that we need to be able to come and share that prayer request. I'm so grateful. Last week, we had record number of prayer requests presented uh, to our leadership to pray. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God's people are seeing the Lord answer prayers and that we're believing more and more in the power of prayer. And so we come to say, you know what, I need this. I need this prayer. I need some encouragement. Here's another mistake I see made. It's thinking that we only need to come to church when we really need something from God. You know, I saw a guy I hadn't seen in church in a while. I said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. He said, yeah, things are going pretty good. I haven't really needed God. It was everything in me not to punch him in the nose. Just because... Just because, you know, I thought, well, maybe if he has a broken nose, he'll think he needs God again. And that would be a helpful, a helpful thing. You know, it's ministry, it's love. It's tough love, but it's love. I, I didn't do it, but might have should have. You know, there are those who want to treat the church only as an emergency room. And I, I want to tell you, this is an emergency room. Right now, there's some of you that are in an emergency and you need the healing touch of the love of Christ that will happen within this body. At the end of the last service, before the service, before I came out with baptism, we prayed for three different people who were suffering from, from different kinds of ailments. The elders, every Sunday, we meet right over here and folks come and we go back into some offices and we pray for healing. And you know, to look at them during worship, I would have thought they're just fine. And because they're Southerners, if I said, how you doing? They would have said, but you know what? They're hurting. And they needed people to rally around them and pray. And, and there, there is a place in which this is an emergency room. But you know what? This is also just a family room. This is also just a place to come and be family. 
and be an encouragement to one another, whether things are going awful or whether they're going great. We all know we come in here with needs, and we're here to encourage one another, and we need to look forward to seeing one another. Every Sunday when you come in here, here's what you need to say. You need to come in thinking, okay, I'm willing to be ministered to. Some of the folks who won't come because they say, oh, I need to get my life together. Let me tell you what that is. That's not humility. That's pride. That's pride saying, oh, no, no, I don't want people to see how broken I really am. I want to appear like I've got it all together. I can't, I don't want to go to church and people to see that I'm hurting. Friends, this is where you come to be cared for if you're hurting. Humble yourself and receive the ministry of the church. And if things are going well, humble yourself and be the ministry of the church. Get off of your schedule and your to-do list. Humble yourself and come and say, Lord, how can I be of use to your kingdom cause and be an encouragement? We need to look forward to ministering and being ministered to. Paul said, I long to see you because he wanted to do something. Write it down. We, we, uh, we worship, and worship is better together when we anticipate meeting as people in need and, and also to be strengthened with hope from God. So as we meet as people in need, what we find we, we do for one another is we strengthen with hope uh, what God has given to us. Look what Paul says he's planning to do when he meets with the church in the, last, in the middle part of verse 11. He says, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Knowing that God is merciful and able to work all things for good is a reason to have hope. Listen, no matter what you're going through, if you are God's child, He's got a plan for it. And I know sometimes what the enemy wants us to believe is, you know what, God's too busy, God doesn't really care, God, God's not, not really interested in involving Himself into your work, but I want to tell you, God cares about every single one of us. And God has an interest in what you're facing. As a matter of fact, He was He was aware before the foundation of the world that you were going to face it. He has a plan for it. And He wants to grow you through it. He wants to strengthen you. He, and I know this is sometimes part of what we miss, but I want to tell you something. The reason may, may be that you're going through something is so that you can provide encouragement for others who are going to go through it too one day. See, a big part of what God does in our lives is He allows us to go through things so that we can learn to trust in Him, so that others can learn from our faith and go behind. That's how church family works. This last week, my, my uh, youngest son got the flu. And I'll be honest with you, there was a point at which I thought, this medicine is not working because he was on Motrin and Advil and still running almost 103 fever, and we were freaking out. So my wife got on Facebook and said, hey, how long does this fever last? How high does this fever get? And we got all kinds of messages from our church family. Some people say, oh, we we had that. Here's how it works. Here's what you can anticipate. And you know what that did? That encouraged our hearts that we weren't the only ones seeing this kind of spike in fever. We weren't the only ones to see this kind of sickness in our home. That, that there were others who'd been through it and that God had seen them through. Can I tell you, a big part of gathering as a church family is that we get to draw, draw strength from the faith of others who've been through what it is we're going through. See, some of you have been through divorce. Some of you have been through job loss. Some of you have lost your spouse, a dear friend. There's been pain. And God has seen you through. God has seen you through it. And your faith is still strong. It doesn't feel strong, I know, but it is. It's strong enough that it inspires me that you're here today. God is doing a work in some of your lives. 
And I want you to know he's got a plan for what he's doing. And you're not the first one to go through this. And you won't be the last one. And the same God, I know you hear this and you think, well, I know that, but do you know it? Do you know that the, that the God of Abraham and the God of Moses and the God of David and the God of Paul and the God of Peter is my God and yours? He's the same God. And so what we can do is that we can be influenced by other believers and we can draw strength from their faith because the same God who took them through it will walk us through it. And that strengthens our faith. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Look what it says. It says, remember your leaders. And again, I know he's talking about those in positional leaders, but I would say to you that a leader is anyone that influences you. And that might be a child, it might be a grandparent, it might be a friend. Someone that you see walking in faith. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. What is he saying? He's like, watch people who've gone through what you're going through. And take hope and draw strength from their faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who blessed those people that you love and admire is the same God who's going to bless you. And as we come together and we see one another struggling and facing trials and walking through opportunities by faith and worshiping God, and we see God's faithfulness to see them through, it strengthens our faith. You never know when your turn's going to come, friends. You never know when your turn's going to come, but it will. Your ride is, is, is already been planned. I'm telling you, when you get on that ride, it's going to feel scary. But I want you to know, anything and everything you will ever face, Christ and the saints that have gone before us have seen it through too. And the same God who saw them through will see us through. And we need to gather to be encouraged by that reality. Not only from the Word of God, but in the testimonies of one another. As we experience worship together, we're better together because we can encourage one another better together. And so again, thinking through this, there's a development here. Worship is better together when we anticipate meeting as people in need to be strengthened with hope from God. So that what? So that we live encouraged by each other's faith. He says in verse 12, that is, that is, and he's already said, remember, I can't wait to be with you because I'm in need and you're in need because I want to share something with you. But more than that, look what he says. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now let's remember something. By the time Paul got to Rome, he was in bad shape. He had been beaten and stoned more times than any of us could could imagine. He, uh, he'd been through a shipwreck. He'd been arrested. He'd been tortured. He had friends turn their backs on him, betray him. So now he's coming to Rome. He's worn out. And, and he's anticipating being with this church because he needs his faith encouraged. I wonder what kind of church he found there at Rome. I wonder if it if it was able to minister to him. Seems like it was. Here's what I know is happening here at Living Hope right now. There's people that have shown up today that are worn out. They're tired. They, 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 they're just so fatigued. I wonder what kind of church they found today. I 
wonder if they found a place of encouragement. I wonder if they found a place that said, you know what, you're loved here. We, we care about you. We want to help you. And if you haven't heard that yet, hear it from me. We're here for you. If you need counseling, we can counsel you. If you need prayer, we'll pray for you. If you need a friend, we'll help you get connected. This is the kind of church where you can come. And one of the things you'll find out is nobody here is perfect. We're all in need. We all need hope. And we can strengthen one another with faith. And I, I want to say this. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass any of you right now. But I, because I, I don't want to embarrass you. I, I really, what I'd love to do is, there are stories right here, and this just this section right here, of how I've seen God work through people's lives. And I want you to know, you inspire me. Your faith inspires me. I'd love to tell some of your stories, but I know it would embarrass you. But I do want to remind you of a couple of stories, and it won't embarrass them because they're in heaven now. Do you guys remember Liz Lyon and Ed Norman? Remember these saints? I'll never forget how they died. They inspired me. I remember Liz. Liz was dying. She had she had lung cancer. I can remember she was almost always at the 930 service. Did she ever she either sat three rows deep there or three rows deep back there? And I can remember preaching sometimes, and I can remember her being in so much pain sitting there towards the end. And I can remember bracing herself and taking a breath and letting it out and just kind of sit and listen for just a few seconds pain-free before she'd have to take another breath. But she wanted to be in the midst of God's people. She wanted to hear the praises of God and the preaching of His Word and to be, to be encouraged by other believers. And I want to tell you, she thought she was here being encouraged. You know what she did? She encouraged me. Her faith inspired me. I remember the day Ed Norman was diagnosed with cancer. I was driving. He was driving. He was at a doctor out of state, and he called, and he said, Pastor, I'm, there's no doubt about it, I'm dying. I said, Ed, give me a minute. I'm going to pull over. I said, what's going on? He said, it's cancer and it's bad. And I'm going to fight it for all I'm worth. But I want you to know something, Pastor. He said, it is well with my soul. And when he would gather here, when he shared his testimony that Sunday, he sang for us. Some of you are here. You remember that? I'll tell you, my heart was about to explode because I was seeing faith. I was seeing hope. I was seeing what God can do, what only God can do. In the face of death, we can smile because this world is not our home and He's defeated sin and death. And whatever it is we're going to face, someone's gone through it before us and we can know that God will see us through. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't have Christ in your life, if He's not the first and priority person in your life, you're missing it. And if you're not a part of a church family, you're missing it. You need, I need, we need, we need this to be about we and not me. We need Christ. And, and today I want to encourage you to make your, make your stand, to make, make sure that your life is, is an encouragement to others, to make sure that your life is one where Christ is at work, to make sure that you are that encouragement, that you are that faith, and that you have others that you can look to because they're in your church and you're in their church and because you've come to be ministered to and minister, and you're going to be committed to that. I know many of you have needs today, and I want to encourage you to come to the altar and pray. There's peace. There's confidence. It's humbling, I know. But it was so sweet to 
to pray over a baby at the last service, to pray over a marriage at the last service, to pray over a young woman who they don't know why, but there's pressure on her brain and it looks like she's going to be blind within the next few months. A young mother. But it is well with their soul. Is it well with your soul? Can you trust in God to see you through? Can, can you pray for some folks who are seeing, being challenged by some opportunities and needs today? That's what a church does. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, we have just a moment now to reflect and to respond. And I know there's, there's needs. And I know you hear us whenever we pray. But there's also a real sweet opportunity to come to the altar and pray. To stand or to kneel and to say, God, I need your help. Maybe a personal thing. It may be, may be a, a need in a family member. I know there's some parents here today. They're concerned about their children. They want to pray for them. Maybe a couple today. They want to they want to pray together for, for provision. There's all kinds of needs. God, we're so grateful that you care. It's the minor characters are just as important as the as the main headline characters. And you're at work for a purpose to bring glory to your name. So God, comfort us now as we come to you and pray and as we sing of the reality of your receptivity to our Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.